Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2023. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them. I'm Della, she, her, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. (laughs) (laughs) That's a reference I don't understand. (laughs) Today's my turn to be the one who's like completely unfamiliar with the the source material and only kind of read the fanfic. That's... One of my favorite Amados, because that's the most off-tangent Amado and that, um, that amuses me. <laughs> it, it is. Usually we get the most um, interesting content with that version of Amado. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Um, look, this is because you, Della, mm-hmm. asked me to look for Mass Effect fanfic. Yeah, I, I've been replaying Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and I was sitting there by myself having angry tirades about, about uh, sorry, and I was like, Wait, I have a podcast. <laughs> a motto. Oh. A motto. One Mass Effect fanfic, please. <laughs> so this is just going to be a combination of a motto babbling <laughs> on tangents and Della going on angry rants. Okay. It could be. <laughs> well, there is Tolly in here, so we've got that. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, finding a Mass Effect fanfic was non-trivial. Because for one thing, it's a pretty new franchise, right? So I wanted to find what? something. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Well, look, as we go, yes. Mass Effect 3 came out in 2012, Motto. That's right, exactly. Pretty 11 new. 11 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it, the first one came out in 2007. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. That is kind of new as our si- situation goes. Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, I was looking for something relatively, like, from the earlier eras of Mass Effect fanfic. And again, I lean on this uh, discussion point I've had before that in internet culture, this is ancient. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. Like, who's well, reading fanfics yeah. from 2010? Exactly. We are. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, I was in college. This was forever ago that Mass Effect came out. Yeah, but now right. I'm like, yeah, I guess we most of the stuff we read is older than that. But right. it's it's with well within this fit, fit is within our cutoff. Mm-hmm. It's what when was it, Amato? Uh, 2010. 2010. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. it's fine. I'll take it. but the, Yeah, it's a little bit later, but it's fine. The other thing is, though, finding Mass Effect fanfic recs was not too hard. I found a good thread from like 2012 on Space Battles. Space Battles is a site we haven't really talked about. It's a forum. It's mostly, it's it's basically a fanfic site. Oh. And it is mostly people posting their kind of mostly sci-fi based fanfics. Like if you're looking for, you know, modern I don't know, Warhammer 40k or like a Evangelion fanfic or things that are popular that I don't know about. That's probably where you would go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so there was a thread about Mass Effect fanfic recs. Plenty of options. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, is that it seems like Mass Effect fanfic writers and or readers, they don't like to write less than 600,000 words <laughs> if they can, you know, avoid it. There's uh, There were so many recs where it's like, it's a million words long. Uh, and I was like, we're not doing that uh, mass effect fandom <laughs> in a weird way that doesn't surprise me simply no, based on experience but uh, the other hand i'm just wondering what are these authors pulling on that they could expand so much in the mass effect universe there are all these epics like i don't know i don't know what to tell you are there mass there's mass effect novels aren't there oh, like yeah. licensed ones like there are for halo and stuff yeah like, um, there's gotta be in mass effect itself the the uh, whole codex was filled with extraneous um information and lore bits that were paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs and that's for like the unimportant stuff and you mm. have like 60 of those and they increased each game so I, the people that really liked mass effect would have read all of these and they would have had 
thoughts about it because they, they talk about so much that you never saw in the game. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was like, wait, no, no, I do understand where it's coming from because you don't have to follow Shepard's story. I mean, yeah. you no, can. It's a whole universe. But it's a whole universe that has very little, it's rich ground. Yeah, and they keep on dropping these little sci-fi ideas as like teasers or fun things and not following up on them. And those are things that, that you can either go, <laughs> that's funny, or like, huh, why would, how would... <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Like, th- there's a little joke about the... um. Um, Asari, which I won't go on that fry raid right now, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Asari are a, a single um, biological sex race mm-hmm. that are compatible with any species in the universe to uh, procreate. Oh, well, we need lots of fanfic about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. But how does it work? <laughs> exactly. How yeah. does it work? There was a, like an offhand joke in, I think, Mass Effect 2, where they have like a, a, a bachelor party. And they have an Asari dancer, and the bachelor party is like a, a Turian, a human, and a Solarian, three different kinds of aliens. And they're like, "Why? Why do you guys find this interesting?" And like, that obviously looks like a human. It's like, "What? What are you talking about? That obviously looks like a like a Solarian." Like, and they're like, "No, can't you see the the mouth mandibles? That looks like a Turian." <laughs> oh, so they're all just seeing it different. That's how they went with it, huh? But like that that was an offshoot background conversation <laughs> line. But like, you could write about something like that. You could oh, write a sure. lot about that. But the other thing is like. <laughs> That implies, well, never mind. I'm going on my own tangent. I'm like, that implies some Some sort of um, psychic. Yeah. Right. But it, like, how does it actually happen in the physical sense? Yeah. You Mm -hmm. could write a lot about that. Yeah. Exactly. And and combined with the fact that the SRA reproduce basically through like psychic mind and body melting. Oh. So that makes sense. So yeah, it makes sense that they have like a psychic paper of attractiveness. Wow. Flashing, flashing back to the gods themselves, that Asimov book, where he was just like, I'm going to make some aliens that are like actually alien. Except <laughs> and the so last third. They've got like, you know, child and adult forms and like the child forms have like three genders and like the life cycle is just totally like off the wall, bizarre. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's the issue with the Mass Effect universe. The aliens are all, you know, Star Trek aliens. Of course. They're human actors with shit on their face. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's like digital, right? It didn't have to be. Didn't right. ha- well, you know, it did make it easier to have the same model for yeah. each figure. Like that's why you know you, you usually when you play a game, you've got the man body and the woman body. Yeah, LOL. And I'm, I'm being hyperbolic, but that's they're humanoid most of the time. We yeah. need more super intelligent shades of the color blue, like in Hitchhiker's Guide. That, that's the sorry. <laughs> 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 Only if you're attracted to that. Yeah. And, well, everybody is. <laughs> By default, they psychically make you. But that's what I'm talking about, where there's corners of the Mass Effect universe that could go forever. And I th- imagine the people that like that would be able to talk at length about s- stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things that I feel like can produce a big fan fiction scene is if it's mm-hmm. just like people are not explored. Like, it's there's so many questions raised, so much unexplored. Um, Inconsistent canon lore <laughs> exactly indeed yeah um I'm, or maybe you just want to drop the covenant into the mass effect universe and run with that which someone also did oh that sounds like less interest well maybe <laughs> i don't know Della seems to Della's processing <laughs> I, I, i'm thinking because like halo is my other big franchise i was a big fan of mm-hmm. but halo aliens would be more alien than most of the mass effect uh, aliens at least the sentient ones yeah mm. <laughs> so that would be more interesting <laughs> well, anyway, given that I was looking for something recommended, mm-hmm. relatively old, 
and of a readable length, it pretty much just got <laughs> narrowed down for me. And right. so I chose the fanfic that we are reading today, which is, it's called Second. It's by Electric Z. It's a Mass Effect fanfic. You can find it on fanfiction.net. It's a fairly palatable 21,000 words or so. Yeah, it takes about an hour to read. That's what my Kindle says, yeah. And it has no Commander Shepard in it, which is pretty great. Which is great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, now that we've talked all about this, like, expanding on the things you don't discover in the Mass Effect universe, I'm like, oh, I kind of wish they'd done something, like, on those abstracted topics. But instead, they really kind of pinpoint their focus to the crew. Yeah. When mm-hmm. Shepard is away. And, For, like, two days. Yeah. And apparently... <laughs> it practically it, ends yeah. in, like, the whole ship being destroyed. Yes. In <laughs> Mass Effect... Not, mostly a mutiny, right? <laughs> just about a mutiny yeah but in mass effect I, those would be the two things you expound on is like the the lore of the universe and also it's, it's a bioware game mm-hmm. like all so everything like, centers on you the main character right um, all of like neverwinter nights and that whole tradition mm-hmm. of stuff right where you dive into your companions backgrounds and you have these unique stories and become full-fledged characters but they only talk to you right <laughs> right so the idea of taking these characters and pointing them at each other and removing the main character Great. <laughs> it's 21,000 words of people talking to each other. I love like, it. <laughs> nothing, nothing else happens. There's no like last minute plot twist that causes like an action scene. It's conversations between characters from the start yeah. to the end. Yeah. All of the tension is interpersonal. It's very Bioware. <laughs> um, there is like we mentioned, like the threat of a crew mutiny, which but at that doesn't end up happening. No, um, instead people talk more. Surprisingly. <laughs> and it's engaging for that reason, I think. It, yeah. it is. Like, I mean, I, like I, I said before, I can't tell if the character voices are that accurate because I right. don't remember. But they're fun to read. Well, look, mm-hmm. I've never played Mass Effect and this is all about all these crew members. Mm-hmm. So before we get started, just to make sure we're on the same page, I'm okay. going to need you two to describe every character in this crew to me as a one-to-one correspondence with a Star Trek original series Star Trek Next Generation or KOTOR character? Mm. Go. Della's going to have to do that. Like uh, I said, I don't really remember the characters. First, you have uh, to describe every Star Trek and Star Trek Next Generation character in, in related to a Mass Effect character for me to understand it. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, oh. Also, Firefly. I'll accept Firefly. Don't we have a Jane in here somewhere? Uh, yeah, we got less personable Jane, <laughs> who's Zaid, the, the mercenary. Right. Yeah. But Tally is kind of, uh, Kaylee. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go, go that, that route. Well, who's, um, the Joker? Oh, Joker. Wash. Oh, yeah. Easy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I needed See, the help See, we, we've got a good start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Firefly I, was the key. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The key to unlock. And I guess Garrus would be, um... Chill Mal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, Miranda, frankly, like, I, you get a good read on Miranda just from the fanfic compared to, like, some of the more tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Miranda voice in this isn't um, canon, I think. Okay. In my opinion. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, so let's just run this down really yeah, quick. Yeah, let's go through the Okay. Um, first of all, it starts with Miranda and um, Holly having an. Miranda's in charge of the ship while Shepard's away. Mm-hmm. Shepard's away for like 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So Shepard's away 
what sounds like doing the uh, Kasumi characters bonus mission DLC contest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. They say Kasumi's with him. Yeah, because so. it's just Shepard and Kasumi, and that's that mission where it's just those two. Okay, so that's um, what that's what he's nice. doing, probably. Yeah, it's male Shepard, but it doesn't even matter because he's not even there. Indeed. But the voice is so much better for femship. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt. Uh, you know, but to be fair, okay, sorry, little tangent. <laughs> I was wondering why it was male Shepard because I was like, is that did this person play male Shepard? Are they a man? Well, or? I would like. Yeah. Like what? Because it's a choice you make whether you play male or female Shepard. I would like to point out that this story is part of a timeline of other fanfics. Mm. The author notes at the beginning, it takes place sometime just after after Just Like Old Times and Friends Like These and Before the Lioness and the Bull, but neither required reading. The, The author has some continuity going. And so the choice of a male Shepard could have been made for some other reason in some other stories. I don't know. But Indeed, it's also but... a very deliberate choice, as the author points out at the end, to keep Shepard out of this story. Great choice. And the author mm-hmm. even says at the end, they tried writing a chapter at the end where Shepard comes back and has a conversation. It's like, no, cheap, that's, yeah. that's bad. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, the author's note at the end is actually, it's not super long, but it's yeah. relatively detailed. And I was like, yeah, you, you know, they explain why they made their choice. And I was like, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Shepard's away on a mission. And because Exo Presley died at the beginning of Mass Effect 2, and as a Cerberus ship, Miranda is the Exo, um, next in command, in charge. And everyone has a problem with that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of how the main story goes. I mean, it starts with Tally. Tally, is that how you say yeah, her name? Yeah, Tally. Yeah. Tally Zordafus. Yeah, Tally <laughs> has her... Her, you know, other engineers make some modifications on mm-hmm. the ship. And Miranda calls her and is just like, look, the people who made the modifications are on uh, what have been house arrest. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Like they find them to quarters, but not Tally for a reason I can't really remember. Even though Tally gave the order because oh, because she's not technically a crew member. Yeah, yeah we're, that's we're gonna have to talk about so she's Miranda gonna be irrelevant thing. Yeah, she's Miranda not can't do anything to her in the Cerebus line of command. Yeah, because this is a major point in the story we have to talk about. That's <laughs> <laughs> the story a little bit. Um. First game, Mass Effect 1, you're a part of the Systems of Alliance, which is the human military, which is, you know, mm-hmm. American military, but because of sci-fi, it's humans. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's the human military. And at the end of it, you save the the galaxy, but they retcon everything at the beginning of 2 to, like, uh, downplay the importance. So then a terrorist group... So so then you die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then Shepard dies. Mm-hmm. Then Cerebus, which is a terrorist organization, a human nationalist... <laughs> uh, terrorist organization resurrects you from the dead using science sure and gives you rebuilds a ship that was like your old ship and gives you a crew and tells you to go fix things okay so you're outside of the traditional traditional military structure that you were in the first game and this is uh the cerberus thing and you spend the entire second game trying to like talk about why this is okay that you're with a terrorist organization and there's so much weird bend over backwards philosophical stuff to try to do and in the third game they completely run the whole thing back and you spend the rest of the game killing service troops <laughs> really okay. oh Seriously. i never played That's the so third interesting. one yeah okay yeah so I, I, so tally is just completely outside of all that what what completely and in fact uh before the game started cerebus attacked her species mm-hmm. okay <laughs> Man, we don't need the to- the, the, the Quarians have don't have a homeworld they live in a fleet mm-hmm. in space and Cerberus attacked their fleet, and that's like, you know, attacking the homeworld. Sure. And that, and they're uh, 
human first terrorist organization. So that's why Tally hates them, which is mm. fair. <laughs> right. But then how come Shepard's, you know, with Cerberus? And I mean, you know, like that was, this is yeah. the thing I'm trying to recall from Mass Effect 2 and why this crew is together the way they are uh, serving Cerberus, I guess. Yes. Yeah. It's it's flimsy. Um, at the beginning of the game, if you're renegade, then it's like you're like screw the rules. These guys will pay me money. I'll do what I want. Uh-huh. And if you're Paragon, you're like, well, the institution isn't providing people the help they need, so I'm going to go outside of the institution. And these people are providing funding, so I'm going to use that to do good. So yeah. yeah, at this point though, Miranda's still part of Cerberus. Most of the crew she was in charge is. of the project that resurrected you. Yeah, right. So. I guess in this story, it's sort of like we're retconning Cerberus to be people who well, did some good. No, the people or... in the way they justify it in Mass Effect 2 is that Cerberus operates in independent cells. Right. And the and... cells you ran into in their first games that did horrible human experiments were separate and they were rogue, you know, and these are, that's these are what, good guys. That's <laughs> what Miranda maintains in this fanfic. Yeah. Right. And in the third game, they completely abandoned all that reasoning and just like, oh, yes, Cerberus sucks. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and a lot of, anyway, the only reason I bring that up is a lot of the tension because, in this Yeah, this story is the hard tension, is that yeah. the Cerberus crew command structure conflicts with the crew that Shepard brings on, which are completely outside of They're just Cerberus. also on the ship. Right. Yeah, yeah they're, they're player char- <laughs> they're characters you get play, play in your party. Exactly. And Shepard mm-hmm. wants them on the ship, so they're there. <laughs> right. And so, right, that's why we're making these unauthorized modifications. And the point is, like, you need to check before you make changes to the ship. Yeah, right. Tally's independent, but uh, Kennelly and Donnelly, the, the two engineers, are part of the service command structure. Right. So she punishes uh, the, the two engineers. And she has a meeting with Tally about that. Tally's very angry about it. And um, basically, there's just some stuff developed in this first part of the fanfic with, like, people getting pissed off at Miranda for one reason or another. Um, also, people keep bothering her, which is not improving her mood. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, there's like a little bit it, portraits of specific characters. Tally's one, Garrus is one, and Miranda's one. And Miranda's kind of like the put-upon commander who just has way too much work and doesn't have yeah. time to deal with shit. But that becomes relevant at the end because it explains the reason why she did not explain to Tally why she punished the crew members, which is what got Tally pissed off. She tried to explain to Tally, but she tried to hand her the pad, but she didn't say this was the reason. She just tried right. to just give the 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 iPad with the information. Tally didn't even re- read it and was just telling her off, which was this, fair. Yeah, and the, this is yeah a situation where like tensions have just been yeah. bubbling be- beneath the surface. So it all starts off with this point where like Miranda wants to explain but is too overburdened and busy like she's trying but she's just like i and also doesn't really think and she's about also it not inclined to be like yeah. generous to people who are being like all rude to her too yeah and, indeed and how is already... she's characterized as having poor interpersonal skills okay which you is you think at odds with her canon characterization she, in the game they talk about how she was like genetically and socially engineered to be like the perfect person so i think mm. that would include being able to talk to people but you know yeah whatever <laughs> it was good for the story, I think. Right. And I mean, in the midst of this, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but like we have we have various people interacting with Miranda. Mm-hmm. One of those, like, that's supposed to kind of that's clearly supposed to soften Miranda as a character. We have 
the shuttle pilot, Normandy's shuttle pilot, Rolston, come up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, hey, just I just wanted to check with you. I've got like a wife and daughter out on the rim on New Canton. And like that's supposed to be kind of like possibly in the line of fire of um, of the collectors. Mm-hmm. Can I like I, I want to go. Can I have like shore leave and like go back to my family? And she's like, nope, because like operational security, we can't like let out any assets like you that might jeopardize and like give, give the information of where we are, where, where we're going, like what we're doing on our mission. So, no, you can't. Yeah. and. Uh, this is a, a canon thing that happens in uh, Mass Effect 2. Uh, Commander Shepard wanders around the ships and service crew has like ambient conversations and this is one that keeps on progressing where oh, guy really? talks about his um his family out, out, on, out on the rim in New Canton. Got it. Mm. And so, you know, he walks out of the room and is like, oh, okay, with a sad trombone noise. <laughs> um, and then at the end wow, of this... Wow, that added way more comedy to the scene than there was supposed to be. Wow, that's dark, Amada. <laughs> <laughs> Our family could die, man. <laughs> well, well, but but then Miranda double checks it and is like, oh yeah, New Canton is totally in the line of fire of the collectors. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you see her arranging to have his family sent elsewhere because she can't let him leave the ship, but she's going yeah. out of her way to use her influence to save his like direct family. Which also happens in the game, like back, backstage, which is interesting to talk about. Mm. Is that attributed to Miranda? No. Okay. So this is like- Well, it's like Cerberus does this. Cerberus does it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So in this fanfic, it's it's being used to soften Miranda. So it's just like she's not just like a rule bound, you know, like heartless person. It's right. just that she follows the rules first and then is going to do what she can in the wiggle room second. Mm-hmm. And it's also good seating for, you know, what eventually after all of the conflict happens, it gets resolved in a way. But. Miranda reveals the actual reason that she was upset with Tally, which was because she was leaving these when she changed something in the way the engines worked. They were no longer able to track, I guess, essentially their footprints in space and erase them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Mass Effect fields are the um, travel points in the universe and they're leaving a, a signature that was able to be tracked and they're supposed to be completely off the grid. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is related again to we security, which is basically their Cerberus is like biggest concern here. Yeah. Is this not like anonymity, security, just kind of being able to do what they want and not be caught. Not be accountable to anybody. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's good early on seating but for... We don't find that until like the end of the right, right, right. just about so we just know there's a conflict and after this conflict happened telly decides something has to be done and she thinks that miranda's been holding this back until shepherd's off the ship in order to swing weight around mm-hmm. uh miranda thinks tally's just being obstinate on purpose <laughs> and for the most part nobody in the shepherd group is a fan of miranda other than possibly we've got like um We've got more laid back Mal. What's his name? Uh, Garrus, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how I identify the characters now. Thank you. That's fair. Garrus <laughs> is more, to me, I don't know. He's just a really, seems like a really objective person. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's like really, actually, maybe I just want to call him Garrick. Because his name sounds like Garrick, but kind of <laughs> reminds me they, of like Garrick on DS9. They got Latin like, Roman names. So yeah. Garris. But like Garrick on DS9, like no skin in the game, <laughs> right? But like is always just kind of like making, I don't know, 
peace between people, even though, yeah, sometimes. No, Garrus has a lot of skin in a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true, but like he doesn't act like anyway. He is scale. He is the peace broker <laughs> in this entire situation. Yeah, I I loved the um, Garrus viewpoints and uh, dialogue in this. Mm-hmm. So Tally goes to Garrus and says like, "Hey, Miranda's a problem. We gotta talk. We're we're gonna." fix this and meanwhile talks about how garris has just been palling it up with cerberus crew mm-hmm. with uh, miranda and jacob the other uh cerberus officer that's also a member of your party <laughs> and uh i i loved the little description uh tally brings garris to her room to, so they can have a discussion in private and i love the little description they have of her room <laughs> where it's like um garris says but unlike his own Spartan quarters, Tally had covered nearly every centimeter of every surface with colorful fabrics and weaves, um, even over lights in the ceiling. And they spend, through, through the next segment where they actually talk about stuff, mm-hmm. like Garrus and later Morden does, does little uh, jabs at how <laughs> over-decorated the room is. <laughs> yeah, it's it keeps going on. It's actually quite good. Yeah. Um, there's... <sighs> <laughs> Tally says, I didn't bring you here so you can make fun of my birth. And Gareth says, I know, but it's here. I'm here. I'd hate to waste the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. Um, right. Well, the, the point is that, like, Callie finds a sympathetic ear among most of the other, like, party member type peoples. Say and- Callie or Tally. Did I say Tally? Callie? You might have. Who, who's, who's who? Tally. 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 Okay. Who's Callie? Kaylee. Okay. Okay. Kaylee's Callie. Oh, that might have been where I got it from. Tally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Tally arranges that meeting where basically she's like, "We can't, we can't operate with Miranda being in charge even for forty eight hours." Mm-hmm. Um, basically, <laughs> like, let's insist that the per the second in command be someone else, like say everyone, someone we all like and respect, and who like the crew like and respects, like Garrus. Garrus is like, w- maybe we can talk about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Garrus being kind of the like nice uh, therapisty type figure he is in this whole thing, uh, and yeah, and so it it's mutiny esque, which is like people kind of mentioned that a couple of times. Like, look, it's not a mutiny in that we're not planning violence, but they're kind of not not you, you know <laughs> they're not, not, they're, they're, not, not a mutiny. <laughs> they're not taking violence off the table completely either. Like, I don't know. Because um, they they assume that the other side wouldn't hesitate to use violence, right? Yeah. Um, and so you have to imagine this crew hasn't been together for very long. Well, they're not even. Well, yeah, the, the chain of command is not clear, or well, rather, they can't impose a Cerberus chain of command on non-Cerberus people. Yeah. So. Well, uh, and also, Garrus and Tally were part of the whole um, Mass Effect One game. They spent yeah. entire game together, and mm-hmm. these is new people. In the second game, they, they, sometimes they draw that line between like the people who were in Mass Effect One and the people who weren't there, man. <laughs> you weren't there, man. You don't know exactly. <laughs> and also, I want to read a bit when uh, Morden comes in too. Yeah, uh, Morden and <clears throat> Morden stood transfixed for a moment, then jerked as if awakening from a dream. Oh, sorry, hate to intrude. Looking for Mister Vicarian, Garrus, who was sitting in plain sight, waved an arm over his head. Over here, Doc. Ah, didn't see you. Disoriented momentarily. Please keep moving. Must maintain spatial reference. <laughs> yeah, I love the way that he talks. Like, in this, it's so good. Tally sighed. I thought I was on red sand when I saw it, Garrus said. No, no, no. Morden sniffed deeply. Red sand. Stimulant. 
current visage indicative of of potential hallucinogenic. <laughs> hallucinogenic, yeah. Tally rested her hands behind her head and closed her eyes. You both must really hate <laughs> having air conditioning in your quarters. I'll take care of that when we're done here. <laughs> also yeah. good line. Good banter. Yeah, it's good banter back in the, I love that whole scene. Anyway, yeah, so that, the, yeah, there's some great banter. You know, uh, Morden's voice is just fun to hear. Um, Garrus and Tally's whole relationship is quite cute. Um, as this goes through, though, there's some tension because I guess essentially what happens from here, I mean, stuff happens. Well, look, like the climax is basically just like there's a they gather. It's yeah. it, it's weird, right? Yeah, she, she gets together the the meeting, right? Garrus is the last one there, but they're like well, talking it over. So th- they have this first talk, and then she says, "Okay, we're gonna actually make a big move." So then she right. goes and gets the rest of the party, the playable characters, the party, yes. In uh, Morden's lap, in order mm-hmm. to say, okay, then that comes, then Garrus comes, then we'll take the ship. Right. <laughs> and so Garrus walks in with Miranda. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and this, and then, you know, they're like, okay, let's all gather in the meeting room and talk this out. That feels like a climax. It's the end of chapter four out of 11. Yeah. Like, I was, I was very invested in things at this point, but I was like, how much more talking can there be? A lot. A lot, it turns out. Also, I'm going to go back for a second. They're talking about, like, uh, in that initial, just the three of them in the room talking about, like, maybe uh-huh. having to, like, arrest Miranda. Oh, right, right. Uh, Tally rolled her eyes. Hopefully she won't throw him in the brig for having an unscheduled meeting. Nobody has no brig, Warden said, rubbing his chin, chin again. Suggest confinement in a compartment where normal visual cues are useless, rendering escape impossible. <laughs> Stop it, Tally growled right there. <laughs> yeah, that was the reference in Tally's quarters again. <laughs> Which uh, is fun. Yeah, yeah. so funny. Well, just, I'm going to just finish it up. Garris looked at Morden with an embarrassed expression. I think we've taken this one as far as it can go. Your room looks quite nice, Tally. Sorry. Morden bowed to Tally. Garris is correct. Joke's concluded. No offense intended. Apologies as well. Thank you both, Tally said. Apologies accepted. Back to work then. Garris turned towards the exit. He stopped suddenly mid-step, his arms outstretched. Help me find the door, Doc. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. That yeah. whole part was just so funny. Yeah. Um so then they gather all the PCs in uh, right. Morton's lab. And then Garrick comes in with Miranda so that they can do more talking. Which was funny because yes, I didn't. But yes. I didn't think that's how it, that was going to go. No, it, it's a twist. Yeah, it's a twist, and it's like a significant moment. And I just thought, like, oh, okay, now we'll have falling action of them talking it out. But it's like, <laughs> I, it's just, it's just a story structure I'm not used to. Yeah, it's but, not bad yeah. at all. It's just very unusual. It is because, again, like I think you could call this the climax. This is when tensions are at their highest. Right, mm-hmm. right. But I would say in the denouement, which, again, is most of the length of the story. Right. Well, I mean, you know, like, what, two-thirds of it, maybe? Yeah, or, yeah about, about that. two-thirds, yeah. Um, there are other peaks, and one of those right. is, of course, after this whole conversation. So the crew converses. They kind of start to understand each other a little bit. There's no more mutiny. But then Tally and Garrus are not at odds now because of Garrus's essentially betrayal of Tally and telling Miranda. Let's go to the conference room meeting. Right. There's a lot of talking and I should definitely let... Before they they get there, they flash back to um, 
Garrus deciding to bring Miranda oh, to, right. to the to the lab and the conversation he had with it. her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's from, from Garrus's point of view with the thought process. Right, and we also hear Miranda get complain about how like everyone is. All these people who are annoyed with her, like she's not a big fan of them either. <laughs> well, and Garrus walks into Miranda's office at that point while Miranda is securing um, the the pilot's family right. off of New Canton. Right. And she's like, great, you're like the fifth time getting interrupted today, but at least you're <laughs> the only person who ever wastes my time. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> who never wastes my time and sent a, a text beforehand saying, hey, can, can I come in? <laughs> you kind of get the impression, like out of all the characters, right? Like, it's not like you like really dislike anyone per se i mean i don't know jack i'm on the fence about but um (laughs) garris just seems like he's not only likable to the audience but pretty much universally liked among the crew yeah it seems like everybody likes him like he he does know he seems well respected by everybody i should say Mm -hmm. i think the fandom really likes him too yeah he just seems like a very reasonable empathetic person so when you're in his viewpoint it's pleasant i yeah. guess like, yeah 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 that's very well, true it, it's pleasant yeah. and it's not saccharine or naive either it's it's exactly. actually kind of harsh it was very depressing but like, yeah in a lot of ways because like takes like this assumes bad things going to happen it's like well you got to make it work <laughs> right and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he's very focused on like what do we need to do here like what do we need to do here yeah someone Indeed. who actually gets yes. stuff done not what would i like to have happen here but like what needs yeah. to happen here like any of those negative thoughts are like background or are more background to like he's not wallowing he's not like he's not being irrational at any point so it's just like very pleasant to see someone so like focused on the goal and so reasonable <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, did you want to say anything about the conversation with miranda there it was interesting because, like, Miranda wasn't expecting someone from Shepard's crew to, like, sympathize with her. Right. Like, at all. And she kind of has some, like, she's thrown there a couple of times where she's like, so wait, is he, like, on my side for this kind of thing? And later yeah. on in the conversation, she's like, oh, no, it's not that he's, like, on my side. It's just that he's talking this through. He's Right. <laughs> talking to me as if I'm part of this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's just a respectful person. Who, yeah. Like, has has significant things to say. I don't know. Yeah, and this is all throughout. I'm just going to say it's good, good characterization of Garrus. I think mm. because it also <laughs> expresses his playful uh, tone a lot, which is uh, kind of what made him endearing. I think to a lot of the fans, and I, th- I think they they wrote that tone well. I enjoyed reading that, those parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main thing in the conference room after the, that flashback if we're if we're moving on from the flashback yes the conference room scene they kind of get the first round of discussion done which is that look it's a problem here that we are on a ship with a chain of command and a whole bunch of people who are completely outside that chain of command yeah and like we need to do something about that and the people that are outside the chain of command have concerns about being associated with a terrorist cell right and so like <laughs> yeah miranda's particularly per- one that's harmed them and and as a non-humans and, yeah. so. yes but miranda's first suggestion just like blithely is to be like well how about we just all like give you ranks in service and everyone's like hell no hell to the fuck no <laughs> and, and 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 that's when she first like that's when at first, she's like, Garrus is on my side on this, right? But Garrus is like, that is never, ever going to happen. And she's like, well, oh, that's not like... Because when, yeah. they, when they all filed <laughs> into the conference room, all of Shepard's group 
one to one side of the table. Miranda went to the other side of the table, and Garrus went and stood next to Miranda. Right. Yeah. But but she's like, oh, I've been misreading him. It's not that he's like behind me. He's not my ally. He's just trying to fix. He's this just shit. trying to fix this shit. Right. <laughs> Indeed. And this uh, to me was the point where I was like liked Garrus the most yeah. because. Uh-huh. You know, when he comes in, of course, everyone who's not Cerberus is like, and again, those are mostly the aliens because Cerberus is like human-oriented terrorists, I guess. Mm -hmm. Anyway, was like, oh, Garrus, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. And then he just turns around and looks to Miranda's like, respectfully, Captain. Uh, He doesn't say that. That's never going to happen. But yeah, (laughs) he's like, yep, nope. (laughs) Right. Um, And so what what they end up deciding for that particular issue is that, look, it would be common if you're having like contractors outside an organization to have a liaison whose job it is to like, yeah. well, you know, they have a big in- intense discussion before they that. They do, they, they do, they do. Where they're like, no way can we be part of Cerberus. Cerberus is going to turn on us any moment. They're, they're going to kill us. And, and that's seconds. when Miranda gets to be like, no, no, you see, those were bad Cerebus people. Those were people. the bad Cer- well, I, I think before then, it was also like, well, how many Cerebus people have you killed? <laughs> right. Right. Which is fair. A lot. <laughs> because there's three whole set of missions in Mass Effect 1 where you cleared out Cerebus bases. Mm-hmm. And like, she asked that, like trying to get, trying to gain like the moral upper, upper hand. And Garrett's just like, 16, personally. I think the whole group, they're about 64. I'd do it again. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, like, counting. But, like, there's also this confrontational element of, like, well, how many did you kill? You know, it's a little bit of a back and forth for a second. And then she knows exactly how many Tally's killed. And I think it was 12. Right, because yeah. Tally's not sure, but Miranda knows how many she's killed. Yeah. Even, right, right. Even though those were, like rogue operatives apparently who you know, like were not supposed knowledge. to be right well, not rogue operatives rogue cells rogue cells <laughs> right it's like so why would she have the data but whatever um yeah le- left mostly well, unsaid. Not, not rogue cells independent cells le- left <laughs> mostly unsaid is that they could probably kill all the service people on the ship too if they wanted yes well the uh the the tensions come to a climax when uh miranda says well we could have shepherd order you all to join service and garris says yeah, and Sher- Shepard could order us all to kill all the Cerebus on the ship. That's right. <laughs> at, at, at that point, Miranda's like, let's walk this back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is good. Um, yeah, and Miranda does. It It, it works. Um, mm-hmm. Right then, Miranda realized she completely misread him. <laughs> Garrus never intended to convince his friends to submit to Cerberus. He was against the idea that as, as against the idea as they were. He'd been looking for a compromise the whole time from the moment he'd come to her office. Garrus offered a truce, not surrender. Given the squad's hostility, Miranda knew that the only choice that was the only choice that would ultimately preserve the fragile alliance they had. She cleared her throat. That was more confrontational than I intended it to be. <laughs> I apologize. It's obviously not a practical solution. Like I said, this is a situation we've not encountered before. I'm open to suggestions any of you might have. Right. And that basically just diffuses right. the tension. And, <laughs> and at some point there, Garrus says, like, kind of his his angle here is, like, I'm not going to have Commander Shepard come back to a ship in the middle of, like, a civil war with, like, people <laughs> dead. Like, <laughs> you know, like, that scene from Community where, like, Troy walks back into the apartment and it's, like, <laughs> all on fire. Like, the that's... Pizza in the- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what Garrus wants not to be happening. Yeah. And so they come to the compromise about, you know, working with the external uh, group where they have a liaison that answers for the independent people and right. he answers to who uh, confers with Cerberus and they confer with the, li- the liaison first and they 
uh, distribute the orders. And since basically that's what Garrus is doing anyway, that's they're just like, okay, Garrus. And everyone's like, great. Yes. Perfect. It's kind of like a weird, (laughs) boring, uh, like quote unquote, boring real world answer. Yeah. I love how that they came to that conclusion. You're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's a bureaucratic <laughs> answer because l- like they're saying, that's basically what's happening anyway. But it's, official. but it's a relief to everyone to be like, this is officially what's happening. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, okay, because all of the people who hate Cerebus are much more accepting being like, <laughs> we report to Garrus when yeah. Shepard's not here. We, we, can, a, we can handle that. You got a problem? You talk to Garrus. Garrus talks to Miranda. Miranda has a problem. Miranda talks to Garrus. Right. Garrus talks to the people. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> Garrus is, yeah, just appointed as liaison. And it kind of goes on from there. But I actually feel like the best part of the story is actually in the rest of this falling action because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it has the most reveals. Like, for instance, there's a question I think Tally poses of why Garrus was not made XO in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that happens towards the end. Right. And then you realize it has to do with Garrus. He wanted to. Shepard yeah. wanted to make Garrus XO. But, it's but. interesting because like, the rest of this is like falling action epilogue. Yeah, I, I had the same reaction there as I had like a little bit earlier where I was like, how does this keep going? Because it seems like we'd reached like a conclusion, basically. Like yeah. maybe we can have another chapter, but there's another like four or five chapters. And like they they, they resolve the the conflict, but then they have the, but they haven't resolved the- They're still interpersonal conflict. Interpersonal issues. And, right. and they spend the rest of the time talking that out and it's actually pretty cathartic. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it, it, was, it was cathartic even this part where it's like, this is a situation where tensions are high. People have individual, you know- individual perspectives that are in some cases very at odds with each other mm-hmm. but we're resolving it by talking about it like adults yes right and, and like e- even as far as we just talked about like i'm reading it i'm like whoa cool yeah <laughs> it's a very like star trek type solution like i've been watching a lot of star trek recently uh-huh. but i'm also so maybe i'm biased but like at the same time it felt like it, that utopian flavor of right. like we can be reasonable humans like anyone who has a conflict with a, another person on like the starship enterprise is going <laughs> to it, first of all it's maybe it's going to be tense at first mm-hmm. but the captain will mediate and they will come to a reasonable solution and garris essentially plays a very much like a captain picard type <laughs> role and we kind of remain, I think, mostly in his perspective for the rest of the story. Not completely. Uh, Not completely. Tally. We get Tally, Tally. too. We get, we, yeah, we flip over to Tally. But as this sort of winds down, like, for instance, in Chapter 7, which is the chapter where, like, we were just talking about. Um, yeah, it, it's nice at the end where they have Talos and Garrus talk and then eventually kind of slow make up and then um, Tally and Jacob actually have connection we haven't yes. talked about jacob he's yeah been, um, he's the other you said he's the other party member who is in cerebus right yeah you can uh um uh, miranda was in charge of the lazarus project which which uh, resurrected you when you woke up the cerebus base was under attack and you and jacob fought your way out and jacob's part of the crew oh, okay so he's uh that guy in kotor the uh, who who joins you there when the ship's under attack when you first wake up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whose name I'm blanking on because I did not keep him in my party. Ditto. <laughs> yeah, but you have to keep Jacob in your... Well, have to. No, you could let him die, I guess. <laughs> I, I, at, the, at the end, yeah. But uh, Jacob is... I think he was put there in the Mass Effect 2 storyline to make Cerberus um, personable. Mm-hmm. Because Cerberus is... Because uh, Cerberus... Because Jacob is just a good guy. Mm-hmm. Period. And... 
he was he was ex human military um ex alliance um and then washed out and then like uh for like doing something right mm-hmm. uh, against code or against regulation and so he's sort of the Cerberus poster child for um we're not that bad really we're not bad guys we're just going outside of your rules mm-hmm. and if you're uh, a paragon through Mass Effect Two, then it, he's a very easy person to turn against Cerberus, <laughs> <laughs> because then he realizes the scope of what Cerberus is actually doing, and it's horrific. And mm-hmm. there's there's a little bit undertone of that in this uh, in, in the story too, because like after they mention the uh, Mass Effect One stories where they killed <laughs> uh, sixty four Cerberus personnel, he was like, "Wait, Cerberus was doing what? Where?" what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Right. And he was like, well, it's kind of scary that they just admitted to killing all those people, but would I have done the same thing in their, their place? Mm-hmm. And he also tried to get Miranda to realize that she was being a bad talking person, <laughs> as I am now. Mm-hmm. Uh, early in the story, after talking to Tally, before Garris came in, like Jacob came in and it's like, hey, Miranda, you got to talk about this. Miranda's like, no, this is fine. Go away. And then after the big boardroom debate, Jacob was like, no, Miranda, we have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that they eventually talk and reconcile. And also you get a little bit of Jacob's viewpoint of him doubting Cerberus. Mm-hmm. And also talking about how he was trying to be friends with... Um, well, he, he, he is fr- friendly with Garrus because Garrus friendly is everyone. <laughs> also trying to be friendly with uh, Tally, but Tally didn't because he's a member of a terrorist cell that attacked her home. <laughs> <laughs> But he was still trying to be friendly, but she's shutting him out. And so that kind of resolves in this epilogue. Right. That's one of the things they yes. do is give a moment of connection to those two. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way the author describes it at the end is like, they're not friends, but maybe if they go on some sort of crazy suicide mission together, like I forget mm. how, how they, the author phrases well, it. Well, why they'd be willing to go on a crazy suicide mission right. together. In the first place. Right. Yeah. And I knew that was some kind of like reference to future Mass Effect events. That end of Mass Effect too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it oh says, right, because this takes place before the end. Oh, that, that was mm-hmm. that was Tali and Miranda. The author says it, Jacob takes a step toward being part of the gang. Yeah, Tali and Miranda may still not be chummy in this particular timeline, but they've at least made progress. Who knows? Put the bunch together in some kind of suicide mission, and they all just might be able to be friends. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, the Tali and Miranda thing is the biggest hanging individual interpersonal tension that is a problem. And that is because, yeah, there's like, it's very, very, Cerebus is a very, very personal thing to Tali. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what with the attack on effective home planet ship thing. Yeah, it's weird because like in the first game, Cerebus is just like a little side mission blip thing. And then it's the, the big thing in Mass Effect 2 and they try to make you okay with it. And then Mass Effect 3, they're the, like one of the bad guys worse than the Reapers and you're mowing them down the whole game. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Cognitive dissidence <laughs> whiplash. That's that's so odd. Like that feels like I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just think Bioware should have their things together a little bit more, but I guess yeah. they just didn't in that case. Well, yeah, they also didn't have any like um homosexual relationships to like the third one. Mm. And I could go on a rant about that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Wait, didn't you say you could Flirt with uh, one of the crew. With, if you uh, with, are, uh, yeah. If you are female, there's like a female presenting uh, character mm-hmm. you can flirt with, in, right? In the first in the game, you can be with uh, Liara, one of the Asari, right? Who's you know 
Oh, right. A gender, but they're all women. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah. So that makes you gay. And the second, <laughs> so, hey, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it gay if I flirt with a alien species? Is it gay if I flirt with a ditto? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and then the second one, you can like flirt with the with the communications officer, and but that doesn't re- evolve into a romance. Right. Oh, right. She ends up doing like a weird dance for you in well, your yeah. cabin. Oh, oh wait, okay. no, they're right. That's yeah, it's right. Weird. Oh, it is super Unsettling. weird. I remember that. And they didn't actually add gay romance options until the third one. Mm-hmm. And by that time, I already put so much time in with uh, Liara. I can switch over, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway um, there's no romance in this but there are kind of cute bonding moments and um yeah we kind of already went down the line of like that thing i mentioned it earlier but like miranda eventually has to dress every member of the crew yeah not every member of the crew but several people like look, this is all about security. This is why mm-hmm. I did it. And then she eventually explains to Tally why, why specifically what was going yep. on in, in that end of the boardroom scene. She goes through all of the issues people had with her mm-hmm. and explains what the uh, background effects of what they're asking for, what it would have been or had been and how to, how she was dealing with that. And Garris made a point to show how much Miranda has been doing for the crew behind the scenes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just that she's not used to needing to justify her decisions to her subordinates as yeah. she was viewing them as jacob s- says later she, she's used to uh bossing around like subordinates right. not not other people <laughs> not like also, equals yeah actually slightly before that there's a conversation between miranda and jacob which i appreciate mm-hmm. it's like um I wish I had a mirror, Jacob said, so you could see that <laughs> look you're giving me right now. It's easy to give someone wearing the uniform an order, because if we don't follow it, we're done. There are consequences, so we know it. But that doesn't work on Shepherds, guys, does it? So let me ask you something. Did you ask Garris for help, or did he step up on his own to smooth <laughs> things over with the squad? Yeah. Jacob shook his head at Miranda's silence. You're so preoccupied with being perfect that you can't even ever ask anyone for help. Mm. And when someone does, you treat them like shit. If you were drowning, you'd punch the lifeguard for saving you. <laughs> and that's like the best dressed out of Miranda's character in yeah. this. Like, again, I don't know. It, it, apparently, she's not characterized very well, according to you, Della. But um, it, yeah. that's a good dressed out of the character we're being given right, here. It's a shown. good character for, for, the, for this kind of story. It, it's an odd interpretation of, of Miranda. Miranda's just kind of boring, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I also like... I had to give her a personality. Yeah. Tori, you had <laughs> mentioned the last like of many reveals in this fanfic is like, um, Garrus reveals... Who's he talking to? When Tally. Tally. To Tally. That like, actually Shepard wanted him to be the well, second in the, command. Tally was saying XO. like, I, was, I thought I was giving you the chance to become the, 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 the XO. I thought you wanted... This is something you wanted mm-hmm. and Cerberus stopped you from getting. Mm-hmm. And then it was revealed that as soon as Garrus came on, Shepard wanted wanted Garrus to be the the second command. He he turned it down. Mm -hmm. But I also like that he says, don't tell anyone this because the last thing we need right now is for people to not know that Miranda wasn't Shepard's first choice for this role. That they need to believe that Miranda's the first choice. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's also just like a great moment between Garrus and Tally because like Tally's like, from her perspective, it's like I finally understood. It's the same reason Doctor Chakwas has been too busy, quote unquote, to heal your face, isn't it? And why Jacob's always been too busy to repair your armor. Um, 
you know, and Garrus, like, you kind of get this reveal that he's, like, avoiding these things that are necessary yeah, to maintain He's been brooding health. about what happened on Omega. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says, uh, Garrus, I thought you wanted it. I was trying to help, and I thought this was your chance. I never would have done this if to you if I had known. I'm so sorry. So, like, and then he's like, that's not your fault, blah, blah, blah. My point is, is that, like, apparently this whole thing was really important. Tally thought Garrus actually wanted the command, and that's why she was doing yeah. it. Yeah, and Garrus was upset because uh, he was in command in Omega, and his entire team died. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's one of the interesting things the author notes, the author note addresses at the end, is the author says the reason they didn't have Shepard come back, <laughs> an original ending involved Shepard's return to the ship along with a drinking session slash pep talk in the commander's quarters where he essentially told Garrus to snap out of it. That would have done two things I was trying to avoid. One, bring Shepard into an explicitly Shepardless story. And two, essentially allowed Shepard to absolve Garrus of his guilt when it's Garrus himself who has to let it go. Mm-hmm. And clearly at the end of Mass Effect 2, he has not done so. Yeah. Yeah. And so the author is, I, I feel like, I, I, I mean, it's not like it's unusual to have authors make good choices in these stories we read. They rarely describe their thought process or be like, I considered this and then I realized that was oh, a bad idea. So, so I did the better thing. Good, good edit. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just also appreciate the author's note is all I mean of like sharing some of the thought process. Yeah. I, I personally liked how that they use that character reasons justification why um, Jairus is always in, has the scarred and the burnt armor for the whole entire freaking game. I hated <laughs> seeing that. <laughs> yeah. Because there's no reason why that should be the case. Right. Like they, as soon, soon as he's done with the mission, recruiting Garrus, uh, whereas uh, he gets blown up with a rocket, should be able to get some new armor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta love these little fan justifications. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, it turned into a good moment. Yeah, and like you can imagine, you know, in our modern context, like this is like a Twitter post. You know, this is like <laughs> right. This is why Garrus is my never, yeah, right. did this. But the author does a great job of slotting those into this story um, without them seeing seeming intrusive in any way. They're mm-hmm. just like, they put in those little Twitter posts, <laughs> they pepper them in, and you're like, aha. Also, they talk about why Garrus is always doing calibrations on the guns, which is another little fan thing. Why was that again? <laughs> well, because... In the story, I mean. Yeah, in the story, it was just like, because there's always some sort of minute interference and we moving quarter of the speed of light targeting something like a percentage, like half a percentage point can be a total miss. Mm-hmm. And it, it was describing him trying to track down with the source of interference. Like maybe it was the garbage disposal. Who knows? <laughs> and in the game, it's just like you always find him like at the guns. That, that, that's, with where, him. that's where he is. That's where he is. <laughs> when you're out of your dialogue tree, he's always uh, got go, to go do some calibrations. That's funny. To the point where they make fun, fun of it in Mass Effect 3. <laughs> Wait, is that the same uh, thing that was going on with um, the doctor uh, staring at the garbage disposal? Oh no, that was that was the mercenary. That uh, oh, the mercenary. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, the, his room has the garbage disposal. He talks about it. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that. Was just a funny scene in right. this fanfic. <laughs> like just like so distracted by how the trash compactor works, he's like barely paying attention yeah. to Miranda. Yeah, that they don't have a lot of uh, Zaid in this, and that's fine. Just like how they don't have a lot of Jack in this, and that's fine. Uh, Jack has yeah. legitimate reason to want to tear Cerberus to the ground. She was raised in a Cerberus facility from a little kid and was tortured, experimented on continuously since then. Mm, great. Yeah. So yeah. she wants the whole thing burnt down. And that's... She seemed 
perfectly willing to commit violence as as soon as anyone gives you the go ahead. Well, she's writing this. <laughs> and that's completely fair. It's just like, I don't know, the way she was characterized, it wasn't much. It didn't, um, didn't but, wasn't uh, important to the story. Right. No, yeah. but yeah, it was just sort of like she just really wanted things to escalate and I'm like, then why are you here? Yeah, it's it's one of those flimsy PC reasons mm-hmm. where Shepard gets her to cooperate. Yeah. Right. And that never really gets resolved. But what does kind of get a little bit of an ending is, um, yeah, Garrus is atta- Garrus doesn't show up for a while after things have de-escalated, or like rather, Tally doesn't see him. He's busy. When, when he's Tally working. comes in to make up with Garrus, she says, "I I made you some some dinner. Do you want to come have some?" He's like, "No, I'm I'm working. I'll have it later." Right. <laughs> and so Tally's like, "Oh, he must be mad at me." So she she puts the dinner away, and I like how they described. As someone who's worked in food prep and had to do like um uh have a have a whole like non gluten station, I I appreciated the detail they talked about because um the Koreans and the Turians have a different I I don't know what it is, some sci fi bullshit some right. different uh, amino acids mm. as the base. So if they eat human food, then it's basically poison. If humans eat Turian or Korean food, then it's poison. So they described the whole thing about um. Uh, putting things in separate containers in the in the fridge that has like a yellow and red markings on it, uh, spraying down anti uh, amino acid stuff on there, and them double triple checking to make sure that they wipe up everything that can make a crew member sick. And just I appreciate those food prep details. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was something I was wondering. Is like, how do these two live <laughs> in a place? Or how how did a human live with that in a place where the food is literally poison? Food, water, drink, n- not water, maybe, maybe water, but food and drink w- would be poison, <laughs> period. <laughs> yeah, they have these, yeah, exactly, separate prep stations, and they're very careful, and, you know, she labels the container and puts it in the fridge, and, mm-hmm. like, there's a description of, like, his protein and vegetables, you know? Or, or, yeah, or normally they just eat gray paste. Right. Because <laughs> they're, they're busy. Busy aliens on the go. Mm. <laughs> right. It's like a nice meal that. Yeah. You would yeah. She makes actual have. meat and veg. It's nice. Um, yeah. The dextro only food compartment. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about. I don't know. Biology or chemistry. I, I didn't take those classes in high school. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. The other thing that happens is that Tally starts talking to Jacob. Yeah. And. Mm-hmm is regaled yeah, with a story, story about Mass Shepherd. Effect 1. Yep. <laughs> the Mass Effect 1 and the Mako tank. Fuck that thing. <laughs> oh, and also, I'm sorry, I just have to point this out. It was this really cute part where she's talking to the cook and mm-hmm. um, the cook is like, I swear on this ship when the cat's away, the mice work harder. <laughs> Tally stopped in front of the refrigerator with one hand on the handle. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Cat? <laughs> oh, sorry. Human expression. And it kind of goes on, but like, I mean, when the boss is away, the workers work harder. Usually they play, but not you and Garrus. And then Tally is like, eventually is like, I will try to be a good mice. <laughs> that was nice. That's, and it was yeah. really cute. And then the human cook reflects on like, you know, Tally doesn't always get this right, but she does try harder than everyone else to not, understand it, yeah. human expressions. It's and it's good. kind of sweet considering like the tension between the Cerberus being very human centric. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's good Tally. Tally would... Do, does do stuff like that where she tries to understand things. Yeah. It was just cute. I always try to be a good mice. <laughs> yeah. And um, so she like walks past Jacob eating and she's like, 
you know, maybe I've been kind of a jerk. <laughs> and so she decides to actually stop and talk to him, which shocks the hell out of Jacob because <laughs> he's been trying to talk to her since she's been on the ship just to be friendly. And they have some good banter and they joke and she finally sits down and starts telling some old shepherd stories. Mm-hmm. So what's the deal with the Mako? Because they're like, it's a tank. Mass Effect 1, they had a lot of vehicle segments and this thing was shitty to drive. <laughs> Uh, so that's why they're like he couldn't back it up. It was like it would flip story. around. Like, it would, yeah, yeah. It had these jets, and you try to climb things, and you jet on, you fly off the mountain and go backwards and roll over. That sounds like sideways. Fun. That sounds like me driving vehicles in Halo. It's buggier than that, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a, a totally humorous story because your Joker uh, lands the ship perfectly you know this description is like there's you know it's an impossible landing with only this amount of space and he has to fly in super fast and stop and he makes it perfectly then Shepard's just trying to back up the ship runs into like a one two foot tall wall and flips the ship totally over <laughs> flips the mako over yeah yeah that, that's a description the mako, yeah the... sorry not it's not a sh- is it a ship it's a, a mako it it's like a six vehicle, six wheeled. Oh, the vehicle. Thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Joker comes like screaming in super fast. And then Shepard's just like beep beep beep. I think beep, that was a, flip all the way over. Yeah, I think that was a description of the one of the last missions in Mass Effect One. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And then yeah, then Garrus gets hungry, comes out, and hears Tally and uh, Jacob and a whole bunch of other people talking it up and sharing those stories. He checks out the food and finds out it's actually nice cooked food. And there's just a note scroll that that's uh, written on the top that just says "Still friends" from Tali. Yeah, yeah, very cute. And he's like, you know, he's like, it's a job well done. Mm-hmm. And he's on like, his part. maybe I should take my food over there and go join him. He's like, nah. And he goes back to his office and eats alone, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of sad. But it's also like Ben Garris's personality and role this entire time, yeah. right? And, and then uh, Miranda, because. I'm thinking about the layout of of the ship. This is the uh, <laughs> the, the the mess hall there, and then they have the the main uh, battery, and then uh, Miranda's office, which used to be the uh, captain's quarters in Mass Effect One. Anyways, but th- their offices are, are nearby, and Miranda like texts Garrus is like, "Sounds lively out there." <laughs> He's like, "Yep." He's like, well, "Why aren't you out there?" And she's like, "Same reason why you're not. <laughs> I'm getting stuff done." <laughs> right. So yeah, that at least at the very least they have that bonding moment. And- that was nice. It definitely, again, it felt like very Star Trek where like the like commanders are kind of like, yeah, okay, they're aloof and they can't really like fraternize with the crew that much. But but they're happy that the crew is fraternizing more and it's good. Yes. But in this, it's not because that they're the same like a command structure. It's just like they're they're both kind of brooding and want to be alone. (laughs) And it's the role they've taken on in a way. Like, yeah, it's not like specifically a command structure for Garrus. But he's taken on this role of responsibility. Yeah. Miranda wants to get a whole bunch of stuff done. And Garrus mm-hmm. just kind of wants to not be that kind of responsible or close, I think. Yeah, totally. Because like Miranda's acting more like Picard than a Riker, even yeah, though yeah, her yeah. role is more of a Riker, right? I appreciate speaking in Star Trek metaphors. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I do kind of consider Garrus kind of a Riker-ish. <laughs> hmm. I, I didn't uh, romance any of the male characters, but if I did, it would have been Garrus. Fair enough. He's fun. <laughs> yeah I, I really like his characterization in this and I like Tally's too she's very cute she's still maybe a little bit impulsive <laughs> but that's also 
tally in the games. Indeed, too. indeed. I also like the tally Garrett stuff talking about uh, talking together. Mm-hmm. The, their relationship was interesting. At the end of Mass Effect Three, if you haven't romanced uh, either of them, you you do walk in at, at the end of the game, walk in and find them both hugging at the end. You're like, oh, uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Aww, yeah, and that that's kind of cute. So I, I like cute. seeing this with that angle. Even though I kind of read this more as like uh, Garrus being more of like a paternal figure to Tally in a way, or like more of a mentor, maybe. Well, yeah, Garrus was proud that Tally was speaking up and stuff, (laughs) even when things were going bad. (laughs) But that could work in a romance dynamic as well. It's just like, for me, my impression was more like, yeah, she looked up to him. Well, it it was nice because they both had seemed like a lot of respect for each other. Yes. Yeah. Cute story. Good story. Well, you were just talking about a whole lot of things you liked, but we're going to have to be negative Nelly now, I think, if we're wrapping up this story. Mm-hmm. What was something about this story that you thought could be improved or weren't totally happy with? Uh, the Mir- Miranda character seems off for mm-hmm. Miranda, but I think you know it might just be my interpretation. Um, There's not a lot of space for Miranda character growth in Mass Effect 2. She's mostly just kind of competent competent the whole time mm-hmm. this does build up to the uh um, if you get miranda's relationship h- up high enough the uh she, she unlocks a, a, a mission which is what's kind of referred to in this um in this fanfic where she has one personal email that she hasn't read but she knows what it is and it's the thing where she finally asks uh shepherd for help for something oh. uh personal and not service re- related uh about her sister and so that's it was interesting trying to build up build up um reasoning for that side, but you know, it, it's a weird it kind of it kind of makes that a more significant moment in the game if this is the character beat that's leading up to it, right? If you see Miranda actually failing or doing poorly at something, it, it's interesting. <laughs> but that's not something you see in the game, and maybe that's a fault for the game. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, for me, I've gotta say um, as you know, I'm not the target audience or anything. Mm. I did find the structure a little distracting, where like with the high tension climax really early in the story, I was really invested in seeing how that resolved. And once it did, I was halfway through the story, and my reading engagement just fell off some, okay, because like it seemed like the big stuff was already resolved, and yet the story just keeps on going and going. Yeah, I I can see that, but as a symptom of being not part of the target audience, right? As someone, because someone who was, I was ecstatic to see Tally and Garrus just sitting talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not the target audience, and actually, that was the most enjoyable part to me. It was mm-hmm. uh, to be completely honest, it's hard to evaluate something when you're not as familiar with the source. Like I played Mass Effect One and Two, but I played them in college. Sure. Like, over a decade ago so uh, well i played katamari damasi too in college and i remember the characters very well so i don't know what you're <laughs> complaining about yes because those are very complex and nuanced characters well not these are you just kind of broke oh. my mind <laughs> <laughs> the characters the plants never mind uh, the prince and the king of the universe and the- yeah. <laughs> oh man sorry go anyway, on go what on. Was, i don't completely forgot what you, I was, you, say. Uh, I was you, just thinking about Katamari <laughs> <laughs> uh, no 
yeah, I actually enjoyed, yeah, that part um, of Tali and Garrus' relationship. I wanted to see more relational stuff. Like, if yeah. I had anything, again, it's like, again, it's hard to bring criticism when you don't know the source very well, but the story is generally well constructed. I think, if anything, I agree, Amato, with the fact that the structure is a little wonky. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should have focused more on like one thing or the other. I was actually more off put by the like mutiny mm-hmm. storyline. Um, not that it wasn't appropriate, but that the way it was diffused mm. was so just like, and okay. And also that this takes place in like what, 24 hours. That, that was like, kind of the funny part. It's yeah. just like, yeah, it's it hard takes to take like zero seriously. time for well, yeah, Shepard being away. They, they like mentioned that Shepard's going to be back in 48 hours. And they say, how long is it back? Like tw- 26 hours more. So it's like within like a day. Yeah. It yeah. all happens. Also, structure wise, I think this is interesting because the author mentioned this goes between two different parts of longer works, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's slotted mm, in a series of fanfics in the same right. continuity. Yeah. So should we read this as like a special chapter or like a 2.5 or something or like a. Well, the. The thing is, I don't know whether this is more or less significant than the other chapters. Exactly. The yeah. fact that the other ones were written beforehand means this could be something like a 0.5. But mm-hmm. sometimes authors mm-hmm. do just kind of write stories in random points in a timeline, kind of having an idea how they all fit together as yeah. they go. And that doesn't mean some are more significant than others. Yeah. I'm so I don't know. wondering how that reflects in the story structure, mm-hmm. where it's not meant to be... Uh thrilling story it's just supposed <laughs> to be this one thing they wanted to resolve and then right. the then like the point being the character growth for them being able to stand each other enough yeah <laughs> well and ship. i think that's accurate but you know i guess if i like really it's not a harsh criticism but mm-hmm. if i had to double down on what i would critique is like if it's just a day in the life if it's a 2.5 and i love that you know it's mm-hmm. just we need to resolve these tensions that are interpersonal. The I love threat of mutiny <laughs> is still kind of like a lot for that type of story, you know? Um, well, that, does that make sense? Y- yeah, I, I think for a military day to day, that's a, a threat of mutiny that's dispelled through talking, I think is light enough. I guess so. I just, I, I almost would have like done one. Or the other, yeah. If oh, that makes sense. Well, like if it was a mutiny where they're, where they're like, we're definitely going to physically attack and kill people, then that would have been too serious for this. But they're like, right, right. They're like concerned that was on the table, more like, <laughs> yeah, and planning on doing that. I guess, yeah. I guess I just did. Maybe I don't understand the tone, but I did feel like if I was gonna make criticism, it felt like it got a little too extreme at that point. I was well, like, it ramped up maybe too quickly. Or like all of a sudden, it was like, oh my god, what is happening? Yeah, like, I, I think. <laughs> For me, that was softened in the planning stages where they're talking about how bright Tally's room was. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's like not quite a total mesh. Yeah. I don't know. And again, I'm a little bit reaching here because I think, you know, especially in this sort of like concise story that has so many good points, it's hard to find something like big to criticize, you know? Yeah, I guess the biggest problem is that nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, speaking of conciseness and that, I, I just noticed looking at the author's works mm-hmm. that they have two other, albeit much shorter, fanfics that focus on the crew without Shepard. One Mass Effect 2 and one Mass Effect 3. Mm. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, when am I checking those out? I <laughs> don't think I actually want to read anything with Shepard in it. Well, not male Shepard. Oh, definitely not. That was, <laughs> that was kind of weird and dysphoric. <laughs> <laughs> 
where they're like, uh, you guys are using the wrong pronouns for shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine a lot of Mass Effect fans are that way, one way or the other. I guess so. Like, you get used to playing shepherd as, like, you in the world. Right. Yeah. But, like, I've been far enough removed from the game, so it's just like, yeah, that's a separate character but, or whatever. But Finn Shep is, what's her name? Jennifer Hale, who was, um, mm-hmm. uh, Carmen San Diego, uh, the girl. Ivy? Oh, Ivy? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Same voice actor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She's good. I like her. Yeah. <laughs> well, a- anyway, um, <laughs> we did also do plenty of praise, but is there anything that we haven't mentioned or that you want to double down on for what you liked about this fanfic? Uh, g- yeah. Uh, um, amino-based food prep. <laughs> <laughs> Doubling down. Yeah. My favorite thing about this fanfic is that you really liked it, Della, and mm-hmm. so I'm glad I found, like, a good Mass Effect fanfic that you would enjoy instead of just like something and you were like, eh, this is awful. Oh. <laughs> when I'm fulfilling a request, that's very good to see. Yeah. I have always said that when most of my notes are quotes from the fic, <laughs> it must be a good fic. Yeah. Uh-huh. When most of my notes are like, it's like descriptions of stuff it's usually because i'm complaining about it right almost all of my notes are quotes from this fic there are so many great moments that we read out um and i just really yeah like i said i double down on garris's perspective being pleasant to be in and the relationship with tally Mm -hmm. just being which is weird i i I don't think i i don't think Thinking like Garrus would be pleasant, but it was. <laughs> it really was. Well, it's yeah. because it's partially because you're describing him as like brooding and, you know, kind of like he might not be happy, but in this fanfic, he's distracted by more immediate problems. He's not thinking about his like broody stuff. He's thinking about like right here, right now, the people around him. Totally. But, I think that is the same characterization that, that's in the in the games. It's just like didn't expect it to be a fun experience to do because mm. he always was kind of broody, but lighthearted about stuff. Okay. Well, cool. And that's always a great character, though. Like someone who's got like a little bit of drama, yeah. <laughs> but they're very reasonable and worldly. You yeah. Know? Like I said, like down to earth Mal. <laughs> yeah, totally. So yeah, good fic. I, I would recommend it. Like even as someone who's not a particular Mass Effect fan, I would definitely recommend it as just an interesting yeah. read. You might need to give yourself, if you've never played Mass Effect, give yourself at least a little bit of context. I don't mm-hmm. know if you agree with that, Avato, but... um. Probably, right? Yeah, it would help. <laughs> it does yeah. help to know who the characters are. And but. I think like there's a probably a couple types of Mass Effect fans, as we talked about in the beginning. Those that get really into the sci-fi stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other hand is like this being a Bioware RPG game, there's probably a bunch of fans that are into the uh, ca- character stuff, mm-hmm. character drama. And if you're the, the second kind, then I think you'd, you'd enjoy stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely am. If I, if I wrote Mass Effect 2 stuff, it would be character things as opposed to sci-fi things well yeah i would have said that earlier but you got me thinking about all of the potential explanations in this world like yeah particularly the asari i'm like oh okay now i really want to i can talk that. about that sorry yeah <laughs> i'll look forward to your fanfic if they're all one gender why can't they just look like guys or look like something else that's not human okay because <laughs> they apparently look like anything Thing depending on the person is that what it them? is because like you still have to get them armor and stuff and like do they have yeah you know do they have memories are they mammals <laughs> <laughs> this is a really yeah how would they reproduce with any species it's one thing to like have like a you know illusion yeah. field but, the, the, they um psionics in this what what they call biotics they produce like a bi- oh, biotic right. field and incorporate some of the partner's dna 
I didn't even get started on biotics, but let's yeah. not. Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's end this discussion, I think. If I'm not mistaken, this was episode 160 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. Ooh. Second by Electric Z, which you can find on fanfiction.net and dates back to the very old retro year of 2010. That would have been uh, two years before Mass Effect 3 also. Yeah, I, I was aware it was pre-Mass Effect 3. The author did continue to write some Mass... Like, it's just Mass Effect fanfics on their fanfiction.net yeah. account, but oh. they, they kept writing into, fan, into, into Mass Effect 3. I guess that's something else I didn't mention. It was interesting how they saw the character arcs growing out, even though they haven't seen it finished in the third game. Mm-hmm. Anyways. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from that same album, and you can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Our podcast is edited by Della Rose, also present here in the discussion. You can't believe how much calibrations I have to do to make these uh, episodes work. <laughs> um, have you checked whether the, the disruption's coming from like the garbage disposal? or? <laughs> I, I did, but I found out it actually has a nice effect. So I'm, I'm going to keep it in. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Amato's the pilot. Zell mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the engineer. I am, aren't I? What does that make me? Security officer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, Amato's the captain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm the pilot? I can see that. You can be the pilot. I accept that. <laughs> I don't want to be like an engineer just running around talking about how things aren't going to work, and then, then Amato says, make it work in five. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> well, you, the listener, can pilot your web browser to our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com if you want to look for old episodes. Or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Buttery smooth transition. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic, Facebook at retrofanfic, send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, or leave comments or reviews or whatever on Apple Podcasts or whatever you use to listen to your podcast stuffs. I'm Amato. I am Tori. I'm Della. We're just three Earth life forms only temporarily working with a terrorist organization <laughs> for very good reasons, we assure you. Until next time, take care. I feel railroaded. <laughs> God. Seriously, though, Mass Effect 2, I just wanted to wake up and like, okay, uh, thanks for living. I'm going to burn this whole place to the ground now. Where's your boss? Okay. <laughs> But it is hard because, if I recall correctly, one of the problems I had with the first game was like, there's a couple choices you can make in like, or towards the end, there's a choice you can make in like, it's neither choice is good, like no matter what, <laughs> people die. Yeah. It's not equally weighted, it's like either people on the ship die or people on a planet die or something, I don't even know. Yeah. But you get a better ending if you let everyone on the ship die, and... It just doesn't make any sense because yeah, it's like the, their it's like a aren't, trolley problem. Yeah, you know they, they aren't apparent if you use practical morality. If you just go the up choice or the down choice, that's easier to tell. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps I've been overthinking Mass Effect, but now for more overthinking Mass Effect. Yeah.